Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. This is the Friday broadcast. And you know what? Friday is here, but Sunday is coming. My favorite day of the week is Sunday. So why don't you come on down to Hickory Ridge Community Church this Sunday at 9 o'clock or at 1045. I would love to see you, love to worship with you. We'd be honored to have you come join us, okay? Well, today on this Friday broadcast, I want to talk primarily to the men. I want to encourage you men to be a dad of purpose. When Mark Twain was a boy of 14, he says, My dad was so ignorant, I could hardly have the old man around. But he said, When I turned 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in just seven years. Isn't it amazing as we get older? We appreciate what our dads have done for us. Well, you know, fathers bring hope to their family. They bring hope to their community and to their church. You know, Hickory Ridge Community Church has always had a strong men's ministry. We've always kind of put that at the forefront because I found if a man gets right with the Lord, there's a higher likelihood that his family will be right with the Lord. So men, I want to encourage you today, be a dad of purpose, right? When we think about how the world was going back in the Old Testament to before the flood, it says that the earth was corrupt in God's sight. And it was full of violence. Now, there is often no explanation for evil or for tragedy. Such events show us that we need God, and and we need God to wash away this anger and this hatred. You know, incidents like this remind us of a sobering truth. The human heart is capable of incredible evil. We like to pretend otherwise. We may even convince ourselves that the more civilized or the more educated we become, the less likely we'll be able to fall into evil. But history teaches us otherwise. Unless our hearts and our minds are restrained by God's truth, anger and greed and jealousy and hatred easily will consume us. And when they do, conflict and destruction will follow in their wake. So hope is offered for now and in the future. David said, children are a gift from the Lord, and they are a reward for him. Solomon says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. So if I'm going to be a dad of purpose, I've got a number one, be prepared. You know, preparation is essential to success. You got to be prepared. Proverbs 24 says, Homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. So, man, we got to be prepared. Benjamin Franklin said, When I fail to prepare, I am preparing to fail. He also said, An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Last-minute attempts to catch up on work rarely work out. Good luck, somebody else said, is the residue of preparation. You see, we learn to think and we learn to build a home through wisdom and knowledge. You got to know what to do, but you also have to know how to do it. Our society is thirsty for knowledge, but it seems like we're really starving for wisdom. In Daniel chapter 12, Daniel had a seal and he rolled up in that seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. He said, many will go here and there and increase in knowledge. 
You see, Daniel knew that as we get closer to the end of time, that knowledge was going to multiply. It was going to increase. You know, knowledge has an additive of power to it. I mean, you look at what social media has done. It is so powerful. Why? Because it has that power behind it. But wisdom has a freeing power in it. One can know knowledge without wisdom, but one never has wisdom without knowledge. So wisdom is so important. And being a man of purpose, being a dad of purpose. As a matter of fact, Solomon says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and get with all thy getting, get understanding. So you need understanding, knowledge, and you need wisdom. Oh, I want to challenge you men to be men of purpose. So number one, we must prepare. Since we don't know something, we prepare. And I don't know what I don't need to know. I'll figure it out. That's how we got to work it, right? Practical application. A family needs a church family. You say, I don't know where to start. Get a church family. If you're a leader, if you're the dad, you're the leader within your home, find a church for your family. Biblically functioning families need biblically functioning churches. Now, quality family time cannot take the place of the church. So part of that preparation, guys, is to get your family in church. Number two, time is priceless and time is powerful. You know, we can't stop talking about time. Uh, It seeps into every conversation. According to the editors of the Concise Oxford Dictionary, time is the most frequently used noun in the English language. You think about all the titles of self-help books. There's this obsession with time. Look at the one year to a college degree, 30 days to a better life. Seven Days to a Brand New Me, 60-Minute Marriage Builder. How about this one? One Minute Father, 60-Second Stress Management, The One Minute Healing, The One Minute Experience, The One Minute Therapist, or 60 Seconds to Serenity. Hundreds and hundreds of titles that are in print. You'll find everything from instant Yiddish to instant emotional healing are running out of time. Well, read Instant Time Management. The Christian publishing world doesn't seem to be immune to jumping on this bandwagon of time. Many examples are 60 Seconds with God, Daily Prayers, 60 Seconds Long, and I love this one, Instant Sermons for Busy Pastors. Don't we like things to be done quickly and efficiently? But Proverbs 19.18 says, Discipline your children while they're young, young enough to learn. I got to be honest with you. Most parents are parenting backwards. Most parents will have their infants grow up into toddlers and grow up into preschoolers and go to elementary school and then go to middle school and go into high school. And all of a sudden, when they get into high school, usually 14, 15, 16 years of old, their little cherub starts to get in trouble. And they have led this little child for 15 or 16 years in a very loose manner. They've said things like, well, kids will be kids. And they've tolerated things when they were very young. They were very loose in how they controlled their children when they were very young. And now they're teenagers and they're finding themselves in a world of trouble. And so now it's time to clamp down 
And as a result, their child becomes more rebellious. You know, my children were very young. That's when I was the benevolent dictator. I controlled where they went. I controlled who came to the house. I controlled what they ate. I controlled how they kept the house. I controlled what they said and what they didn't say. They didn't have any say in a whole lot of things. I was the benevolent dictator. I held a tight rein on those children because I understood they are impressionable. They are very vulnerable. They are very sensitive. You know, when a baby is first born, you don't let them go outside. You keep them inside where it's safe, right? When a baby is first born, you don't throw on bright lights. You make sure they're well-dressed and well-protected. And the same thing when it comes to training them up emotionally and spiritually. You encourage them to learn God's Word. When they're young, they're like these sponges. So Solomon says, when your children are young, discipline them when they're young enough to learn. So a firm grip on them when they're young. And then as they get older, then you begin to release that grip because you have formulated them. You have already conformed them into the way that they should live their lives. And then you can slowly release them because you've taught them. You know, when they become teenagers, it is so hard for them to absorb what you're trying to teach them because they're getting all these different mixed messages. So train up a child in the way that he should go when he's young and put them in that right direction when they're young. And then the message translation says, point your kids in the right direction so that when they're old, they won't be lost. So children are born with this sin nature, this selfish bent. There are times that are priceless and powerful in teaching your children. You know, teaching a kid to ride a bike. What do you do? You put on the bike, you point, you push, and you send them on their way. You cheer, and then you advise. How do you know if you have made an impactful influence on your children? You still get their influence as they get older. So we've learned a couple of important things already in the broadcast. We've learned, number one, preparation is essential. Number two, we have learned that time is priceless and powerful. Take advantage of those young teaching moments when your children are young. And then number three, discipline is painful, but it produces peace. Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in its way. In other words, it's hard, right? It's hard when you're being disciplined. It is painful, but the benefit is later. The harvest comes later. You know, the bigger our sense of entitlement, the less we are filled with gratitude. San Francisco Giants were once sued for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only. (laughs) A psychology professor was sued for sexual harassment because of the presence of a mistletoe at a Christmas party. A psychic was awarded $986,000 when a doctor's CAT scan impaired her psychic abilities. Now, you have to wonder about that third one. 
I mean, if she really was a psychic, shouldn't she have known not to go to the doctor in the first place? When I think about our world today, we are out of whack. Things seem upside down. We have this sense of entitlement, but we have a small sense of gratitude. Discipline is painful, but it will produce peace. So I want to do a contrast. The difference between punishment versus discipline. Now you think about punishment. The purpose of punishment is to inflict a penalty. You did something wrong. You did the crime. Now you have to do the time. But discipline, on the other hand, the purpose for discipline is to promote growth. Uh, We're going to say this is the way you should go. And next time you go in this way, you'll be stronger. When you look at the focus of punishment, it looks at the past. This is what you did yesterday. Now you got to pay today. Discipline, however, looks at the future. This is how you can correct what you've done wrong so that you can be better in the future. When you look at the driving force behind punishment, it's based on the attitude of fear. I want to instill fear in you. But discipline, on the other hand, the attitude is love. I love you so much, I don't want you going down that path. Punishment has the result of making us feel guilty. I did something wrong, and I feel terrible about what I've done wrong, and I'm being punished for what I've done wrong. Discipline, on the other hand, produces security. So let's talk about how we should discipline. And number one, I think when you discipline your children, you should do it calmly. Proverbs 29.11 says that a fool gives full vent to his anger. So you don't unleash all your anger at your children. As a matter of fact, sometimes you need to wait a minute or two until you calm down before you discipline your children. You should do it with calmness. Paul says, and now words you parents, Ephesians 6.4, don't keep on scolding and nagging your children making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline and the Lord himself approves. That's Ephesians 6.4 in the Living Translation of the Bible. So discipline calmly. Number two, discipline quickly. Proverbs 13.24 says, If you refuse to discipline your children, it proves that you don't love them. If you love your children, you will be prompt to discipline them. So don't wait a week or two to deal with an infraction. Do it quickly. Do it calmly. And then number three, do it accordingly. Proverbs 29, 19. Words alone will not discipline a servant. The words may be misunderstood, but they are not heeded. So you have a discipline that fits the infraction. You do it accordingly. You do it with something that is going to be able to back up the discipline, not just with words. Don't just say, well, don't do that again, Johnny. Do it with consequences that will be endured for doing something wrong. We all kind of operate this way. We love to be rewarded for doing what's right, but there should be consequences for doing what is wrong so that we learn not to do what is wrong. Let me give you a real simple example. We obey the speed limit, for the most part, because we don't want to get a speeding ticket. Most of us are not too worried about getting in an accident if we go over the speed limit. I mean, we know that the highway is designed 
for a far greater speed than we should be driving on that road anyway. It's greater than what the speed limit is. Our highways are not designed to accommodate cars going 55 and 65. They're actually accommodated for a car that could go 80, 90 miles an hour and do it safely. But the law has a speed limit. So it is enforced accordingly. It is enforced in such a way that it discourages us because we don't want to get the consequences. The last point about discipline, we do it calmly, we do it quickly, we do it accordingly, and then we should be doing it sparingly. Paul says in Colossians 3.21, Fathers, don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged and they quit trying. Do it sparingly. Don't, you know, chastise your children or don't discipline their children if they spilt the milk. In the corporate household, there are two things that we constantly would have to deal with when it comes to matters of discipline. Number one would be direct disobedience. If we say, take out the trash, and they didn't take out the trash, there was a consequence for that. But we didn't chastise them if they spilled something or if they accidentally broke something. Hey, those things happen. I break stuff all the time. I spill stuff all the time. Just the other day, we were driving up to the Bible Museum, and what did I do? I spilled my coffee. Well, you know, I didn't get disciplined from that. Things happen. Accidents happen. So we discipline sparingly. So I said we are strong on disciplining those who go with direct disobedience, but also disrespect. Listen, if your children do not learn to honor their father and their mother, they don't learn to respect the people in authority, the people at the church, the people at the workplace, their school teachers, if they don't learn to respect authority, one day they will be forced to obey and respect authority. But we do it sparingly. Direct disobedience and disrespect are two areas that we should focus on. Well, there's a fourth point. If you want to be a dad of purpose, biblical principles should be repeated habitually and they should be followed passionately. Let me read what Moses wrote to the dads and the moms in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses said, You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. He didn't stop there. He says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them around your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates of your city. There is a power of positive habits that can change your direction. Robert Morgan shares the beneficial effects that habits can have in our lives. You know, the word practice, it implies that we must go to work developing certain skills until they become habitual or until we become proficient, like an athlete or a musician. These are the Bible's perpetual habits for a gradual and a glorious experience with the God of peace. 
Interberg better than before, what I learned about making and breaking bad habits, Gretchen Rubin calls habits the invisible architect of daily life. Did you know that we repeat about 40% of our behavior almost daily? So our habits shape our existence and our future. Ruben goes on to explain that habits reduce the need for self-control by saying these habits that we have, with these habits, we conserve our self-control because we're already in the habit of putting a dirty cup away or, or putting the cup in a dishwasher. We don't need self-control to perform these actions. We even do it without thinking. So she added, our habits are our destiny. And changing our habits allows us to alter our destiny. Well, I got two more things I need to give you just before we wind up the broadcast today. Number five, parenting must be personalized. Train up a child in the way that he should go. The Amplified Version says, train in keeping with his individual gift or bent. You see, God made our whole being. God formed us when we were in our mother's body. David says, I praise you because you made me with an amazing and you made me in a wonderful way. You know, when you think about being a parent, there's an exuberant nature that allows dads to build a bond with their children quickly using all these neurochemicals that require a robust bond. When you think about playing with the kids, you're building a bond with those children. Kevin Lehman says, Every child lives up to the expectations that you have for them. That's the difference that a dad can make. Personally applying discipline to your children. Realizing that's how God treats us. He gives us individual gifts and he gives us individual personalities. And then he works with us based on how we are wired. The same is true on how we should be involved in parenting our children. You know, there's actually four areas of personality that is unique to your children. Their personality, their learning style, their aptitude, and their love language. God uniquely wired your children with a special personality, a special learning style, a special aptitude, and a love language. Well, I've got to give you one final thing. Dads, keep a proper perspective. Teach your children how they should live and they will remember it all their lives. You see, typically, when we're worried or upset, it's because we've lost perspective. Everything that is happening in our lives seems so big and so important, so so do or die, but in the grand picture, this single hiccup often means next to nothing. The fight we're having, the job we didn't get, the real or the imagined slight, the unexpected need to shift course, the thing we wanted but didn't get. Most of it won't matter 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. It's hard to see the long term when all you can see is the short term. But unless it's life-threatening, let it go and move on. Dads, you are responsible to your kids, but not for your kids. Let me repeat that. Dads, 
You're responsible to your kids, but not for your kids. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, it says, parents must not be put to death if their children do wrong. And children must not be put to death if their parents do wrong. Each person must die for his own sin. Dads, I'm praying for you. God has raised you up to be the leader within your home. Love your wife so that your children know how to love their spouse. Discipline your children, and when they're old, they will praise you. They will cry out and honor you. They will love you for what you have done for them. So, Lord, I thank you for every man that is listening to this broadcast today, and even every woman that is listening to this broadcast today, that they will take these six principles. They will keep a proper perspective, that they will parent on a personalized level, that they will understand the difference between punishment and discipline, and that they will take these biblical principles and repeat them habitually and passionately. Lord, I pray that they will realize that it might be painful for a moment, but discipline produces peace. Allow them to experience the joy of being a parent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.